Well, would you this morning open up and grab a Bible and open up to the Gospel of John? We're going to be back in John this morning, John chapter 8. So I want to encourage you to get there, and we're going to be starting in verse 12. And uh, it's good to be back in the Gospel of John. I have a question as we go there. Why are we afraid of the dark? Why is it that if you're out in the middle of, well, let's say a dark a field out in the middle of the night, and even if there's stars, it seems peaceful, but I tell you what, the second you hear something snap, a crackle, pop, <laughs> why is it that all of a sudden that your hairs on the back of your neck stand up, your muscles tense, and sometimes you want nothing more to get than to get out of there? And we, we even get that in our own houses if something seems out of place, right? Well, as Linda mentioned, what's the quickest way to alleviate our confusion and our fear in the darkness? Out in the field, you whip out a flashlight. I mean, all, almost all of our phones these days have a flashlight feature on them. So it's, we are with that kind of stuff all the time. Or if you're in the house, you flip on a light switch. And isn't it ama- It is so amazing that what seems so intimidating in the dark, you turn on the light, it's clear. And it's not nearly as frightening as you might have thought. So that's what happens when it comes to physical light in our eyes. So I'm, like, I'm wondering, like, why is it that we don't make that transfer? Why is it that when it comes to the rest of our lives, where things are dark and confusing, where relationships are messy, where culture seems to do stuff that doesn't make sense, where people seem to trust people less and less, where we get a picture that the world is shrouded in darkness, do we reach for the flashlight? Do we reach for the light switch? We need light. We need the sun to rise in the sky that takes away all of our uncertain shadows. A light that reveals what's real. We need the light of the world. So would you stand with me as we read and hopefully see some of this light of the world this morning in John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. You can have a seat, and we'll get to the rest of the passage all the way to verse 30 as we go along. But what we need to understand today is that we can 
as people, we can know the light of the world and see life by his light. Let's re- quick refresh ourselves of where we are in the Gospel of John. It's been, it's been a little while since we've been here. Jesus has come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. And while he's there, he teaches people about who he is and how he has been sent by his Father. But the people who don't think they have any trouble with God, they're rejecting his claims. And as they reject his claims, they reject him, and they're getting so hostile that they're seeking to arrest him. And Jesus then escalates the situation, and he drops bombs in the middle of their ceremonies. There's a water ceremony in the Festival of Tabernacles. He shouts out, Whoever comes to me, if they're thirsty, they can have out of themselves flow living water. And then here, in a part of the ceremony, where they light huge, huge lights near the treasury, Jesus says to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So, that's where we are. And as Jesus says this, he reveals several things. Number one, and I don't know if we'll have it, but number one, Jesus, the light of the world, reveals the truth. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's an exclusive tra- claim. Truth is exclusive. Jesus is saying, I am the light. He's saying, by, by way of negative, don't look at any other lights. Look to me. We live in a world where people say all lights are equal. It doesn't matter if it's the teachings of of the Buddha. It doesn't matter if it's Hinduism. It doesn't matter if if it's the Jesus of Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness. You can even have the Christian God just so long as he saves everybody. That's not the way Jesus is. That's not who Jesus is. He is making an exclusive claim, excluding the rest And that's what truth by its very essence does. It is exclusive. And because it's exclusive, (laughs) it offends. The Pharisees have been exposed almost every time Jesus opens his mouth. They've been exposed as sinners and that they don't know the true God that they claim they do. So here they try a legal technicality and try to trap something from what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 31, where he said, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. So they think they got him here. They think, ah, this guy says he's the light of the world? No, no, he's telling falsehood. Falsehood is not light. Your testimony is not true, Jesus. <laughs> this, this should blow us away. Truth offends, but lies offend even more. Who are they calling a liar here? Jesus. Who is Jesus? A mere sinful man? No. They are calling God in the flesh a liar. There is no higher or more true being anywhere, and they are calling him a liar. 
and they are so disqualified to do so. I mean, aside from the fact that he's God, they aren't even able to say where he's from or where he's going. They know, they know not what they need to know about him. The other thing that the truth does is the truth judges truth. Falsehood can't judge rightly. So Jesus thwarts them. He says, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you have no idea. You judge according to the flesh. He's basically saying, if you knew where I came from or where I was going, he came from heaven and he's going back to his father, if you knew that, you would not reject my testimony. So even if I did speak on myself, my testimony is true. And then he says, you are judging according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. The Pharisees are sinfully judging. But Jesus never sins. And he never judges sinfully. Jesus isn't judging things by sinful human standards. And even if he does judge, a righteous judgment, by the way, because that is the judgment that God does, he does by the vir- just by virtue of his presence, because he's the truest judge of all. He operates out of divinity. I am the Father who sent me. This should be really encouraging for us, church. I don't know why. Because Jesus doesn't judge us by all the ways that the world, each other, even ourselves, sadly condemn us. He doesn't judge us by how well we can swing a hammer. He doesn't judge us whether we can work on cars or not, whether we're city slickers or country folk, maybe. He doesn't judge whether we come from Colorado or Nebraska, whether we are educated or educated. He doesn't judge whether we have kids or not, whether we are married or single, whether we have a voice that's easy to listen to or a voice that sounds like an injured cat. He also doesn't judge us by which sin we're more easily tempted by or how long we publicly pray or whether we're serving changing light bulbs or teaching a class or how many times we have to come to him because we're anxious. He has a better standard, the truth even according to the law of Moses, Jesus is true because he has two reliable witnesses. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. You can't get two more reliable witnesses to the truth than that. The light of the world reveals the truth and we can know the light of the world and see life by his light. Second, the light of the world reveals the Father They said to him in verse 19, Therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. When the Pharisees ask, Where is your father? They are revealing that they don't know God at all. They think he just has an earthly dad. And that's it. The Apostle John will later write in his first letter, no one who denies the Son has the Father. 
Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. If they recognized Jesus as who he was, they would also recognize that he, he was sent from the Father, and it says in the Scriptures that God is spirit. He can't be seen unless he incarnates. And Jesus here, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. At the beginning of this book, this Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 18, Jesus, or the, the Apostle John writes, the Son who is always at the Father's side has made the Father known. And we are given the privilege to see a really intimate and unique relationship that when we see Jesus, when we see his life, when we see his deeds, when we see what he does, how he speaks, how he lives, how he treats people, we are seeing a picture of how God the Father acts, who God the Father is. And we see that God never acts alone. He re Jesus reveals the Father. I am not acting on my own authority, Jesus says. He's acting on the, his Father's authority. The one who they, were, who's, who they claimed to believe in. When we think of this relationship of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, there's a lot of that that's really tough to understand. How can one being be three persons? And how can they be so in sync, so in tune, that whatever Jesus does, he, he does because the Father has told him. He says later in the passage in um, verse 28, he says, So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. This is the most intimate of relationships. And Jesus comes so that we might have an intimate relationship with the Father. So my, one of the questions we need to ask, and I want to ask you this morning, who do you believe God to be? Who do you believe God the Father to be? Do you believe him, as many do in this world, do you believe him to be a manipulative, overbearing, power-playing monster? who hides in the dark closet? Or do you believe, as the Bible says, the God who so loved the world that he gave his son as a sacrificial gift to demonstrate his love to rescue sinners from turning themselves into monsters, their self-made darkness? Jesus reveals the Father if you look at Jesus' life, healing the sick, raising the dead, treating the least of these with kindness and love that they were not getting by the people who had it all. When you look at him, Jesus says you're supposed to be seeing his Father. Jesus reveals, the light of the world reveals the Father. And number three, the light of the world reveals eternal life. Truth, the Father, all these are part, and this part is too, of eternal life. 
He says, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are, not of, this, you are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Sometime I want you to do, just on a Bible app, or, or even just look it up in a concordance, how many times in the prophet Isaiah the term I am he shows up. That's where Jesus gets this. It is always referring to God. God is Redeemer, God is Savior, God is Judge, God is the one who leads Israel, gives them life. Jesus is speaking here where he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He's talking about the return of of him to his Father. This intimate relationship is separated by physical, a physical separation, if you will, but in spiritual terms, they're always with each other. But Jesus is going back to his Father. His earthly ministry is for a short time. And he says that these unbelieving Jews are going to seek him and still die in their sin. I mean, doesn't the scripture say, seek the Lord while he may be found? What does this mean? How are they still going to die in their sin if they seek him? Because Jesus says, whoever seeks him, he will never turn away. Well, it's clear. He says in chapter in verse 21, "You will seek me and you will die in your sin." It's singular. What is that sin? There's one sin here. Unbelief. Their sin is the unbelief is unbelief in Jesus. And because they don't believe Jesus, they are going to seek a Messiah, who Jesus is, but they're going to, but Jesus doesn't fit the categories of the Messiah they want, so they're going to keep seeking the Messiah and die in their sins, and die in their sin. These guys don't get it. Their unbelief doesn't allow them to understand. So Jesus tells the truth again. You are from below. I am from above. You notice that these are judgment calls. You are... I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. And then he says, I told you that you would die in your sins, all the things that come from unbelief. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Below and of the world, those are terms related to the realm of unbelief, where people die in unbelief, and all the sins that come from unbelief. So Jesus is not stating their current state, He's not just stating their current state, which he is. Do you know what he's doing? He's warning them. And he's warning us. See, we might be very keen to point a finger at the Pharisees like, guys, how can you not get this? But when the light of the world comes, the light shines upon the whole world and reveals the truth that every single person in this room, every single person 
listening to this message is or has been exactly like these opponents of Jesus. You and me. How often do you think of yourself as a Pharisee? You don't have to have the title to have the same sin. Ever since our first sinning in the garden as humanity, we have not liked the light. We have not liked the truth. Why? Because it exposes our wickedness. We have all been haters and liars of God. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. We need to confess our sins before God and repent of our wickedness before him. This is the right response to Jesus' warning. This morning when I woke up, I too stepped on something. My family doesn't know this yet, but they are, they're about to. When I went into the kitchen this morning, I had my shoes on, thank God, but I stepped on something a little squishy. And when I turned on the light, it was a dead mouse. So, when the light reveals the truth that there's a dead mouse on your floor, what do you do? Do you just leave the dead mouse there hoping somebody else will find it? Maybe that your dog or people with cats, it'll just take him away? No. You pick it up and you throw it out, take it out to the garbage. And you sanitize that spot real clean. You see what's really there. Our sin is really there. Our sin is like a dead, disgusting mouse lying on our floor. And it needs to be taken away, but we can't do it on our own. The one who shines the light is not just the one who shines the light, he's the one who takes away the sin. The question is, is do we believe that? Do we believe that he's able to do that? And when we respond with belief, there is hope. For those who, came, those who believe Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, which is the whole point of why G John is writing this book, the truth is that the Savior came to save, not with the intent of condemnation, but to bring what? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of what? Life! Eternal life. He exposes our sin and reveals our remedy for sin. He reveals our total separation from him and that he himself is the one who will bring us back to the Father. God has come in the flesh to rescue and give eternal life. And he's providing in this passage, providing for the Pharisees, and providing for all of us who are exactly in our hearts, apart from Jesus, like Pharisees. The summons to trust him. But, Jesus says, they don't and they won't really know who he is, or that he is the light of the world, until verse 28. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. What's he talking about? Remember John chapter, chapter 3, verses 14 through 15? 
So says, Jesus told Nicodemus, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What's he talking about? He's talking about the cross. And why the cross? Actually, Jesus told his followers in a really vivid way in the Sermon on the Mount. Hopefully you read that this week in our readings together. The Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, you write, Jesus told the people listening to him, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But where do they put it? They put it on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. And Jesus is talking in that passage in the Sermon on the Mount that his followers, those who trust him, are called the light of the world. And how do we know that the light shines? How are we able to reflect the light of Christ when Christ is lifted up? Lifted up and nailed to a cross where our sin is paid for and the righteousness of God is freely given. And we're to look up where Jesus didn't stay in a dark hole in the ground after he died. He rose again to life on the third day and he ascended to the Father's side. Where I am going, you cannot come if you do not believe that he is who he is. He ascended to his Father's side. Do you know what eternal life is? I mean, it's a whole bunch of things, but eternal life is really being with God. Apart from God, it's death. Every time, all the time. Being with God, who is life, who is the source of life in himself, that is eternal life. That's why one of the best promises of the book of Revelation, one of the best promises of the Bible is this from Revelation 21 verse 3. It says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. No more darkness, but with God. I've been afraid in the dark before. I wasn't really afraid of the squishy thing I stepped on earlier, but I've been afraid of the dark before. But I can't tell you how much more I might have been afraid in the dark as a kid if I had believed that my dad wasn't there with me. Having an earthly dad there comforted me as we went camping. And we'd go out in the woods and we'd hear stuff go by the tent. Or we'd hear coyotes howl as they scrapped with each other nearby. In the dark, that <laughs> it, it's scary, it, even, even if you know what it is. How much more is there peace and security, the greatest comfort, the most sure joy when we are with our God in eternal life? For right now, there is yet darkness around us things that may seem scary. 
our God says, do not be afraid. I am with you. But one day it will be nothing but light. Clarity, and there will be nothing to fear. The light of the world reveals eternal life. I'll close with this. C.S. Lewis wrote this. If I can find it. I lost it. Hold on a second. I almost got it. I'm so close. I can taste it. (laughs) Hold on. This is the way it goes when technology doesn't work right. C.S. Lewis wrote, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. And for you who trust Christ, He has not left you alone either. For I, Jesus, all, Jesus says, always do the things that are pleasing to Him. And because Jesus has done that for us, we who are in Him, are never left alone. And then it closes with verse 30. It says, As he was saying these things, many believed in him. There was no sign this time, no wonder, nothing to follow except for the word of God and his claim that he was the light of the world. What does that tell us? That tells us that we can know the light of the world and see life by his light.